Live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. Uh, and, and folks, tonight we have a big show. We have actual talent here on the No Outlet Podcast and it's another first. Uh, we have a stand-up comedian on the show. I'm very, very excited. Uh, tonight's guest is a stand-up comedian direct from Los Angeles who also organizes live comedy shows called Carpool Comedy. And uh, first off, I love comedians. I also love anyone who is brave enough to start something up on their own. Turning an idea into a reality is something that's so special, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. Uh, level of commitment. So without any further ado, please help me welcome to the No Outlet Podcast, Carol Newell. <laughs> Hello, Carol. Hi. Thank you for Thanks joining for us. Me. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to play a game uh, called 20 Questions, and 20 uh-huh. Questions always starts in the exact same place, and that's question number one. Question number one, do you believe in the healing power of laughter? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you can be in a down mood and uh, get a good couple laughs in, and all of a sudden things aren't quite as bad, and, and that's part of the reason why I love uh, comedians so much. Uh, so there. So we're, we're one for one. We agree on that one. That's good. That's great. Yay. Yay. <laughs> all right. Um, when did you first let's let's talk about you getting into comedy. When did you first realize that you had an interest not just in comedy but in performing comedy? Uh, in 2012. Okay. I went to a comedy show for a friend of mine that he was doing and then I have this very infectious unique laugh. And two comedians came up to me afterwards and they were like, oh my God, you have the best laugh ever. You have to come to every show. So I started going to shows and then, you know, the laugh was always apparent. And, uh, I just, I started going to so many shows that I made friends with comedians, friends with producers. One day a producer was like, you know, you should be doing this. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's like, I'm going to put you in a show next month. And I was like, well, then I better write some jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I've been off and running ever since then. That's awesome. And I, I did hear a couple of little laughs right there. And it is, it's an, it is an infectious laugh. I would say that's true. Um, it, it almost sounds like the happiest cartoon character ever laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's known as the world's best laugh in the business. I actually have another page besides carpool comedy called the world's best laugh. So oh, that is so awesome. my brand that is all my shows are the world's best laugh and uh that's that's what i'm sticking with <laughs> i love it i love it and i can see why com comedians would want to have you in the audience right it's it's going to get everybody yeah that's great yeah so all right so you, you you get kind of coerced into doing this when was your first 2012 you started going to shows when was your first actual stand-up show that you performed at september 12 2013 wow awesome Mm-hmm. Coming up on my anniversary. Actually, I just had my anniversary. Yeah, that's cool. And and where mm-hmm. and where was that? Uh, that was at a club on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood called Malo, okay. and that was my first show. Thirteen comedians came to see me and mocked me with my own laugh, <laughs> <laughs> which was hilarious. <laughs> that's great. Oh so, yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
And, and so what can you – obviously, Carpool Comedy is your creation. And what can you tell mm-hmm. our audience uh, about Carpool Comedy? Well, during the pandemic, as you know, there was not any clubs open. There was no comedy shows to go to at clubs. So last March, when the lockdown happened, uh, I – Basically, was like, I'm not just going to sit home and not do comedy. So I saw a Zoom show. And uh, one, like the week after, and I contacted that person who I happened to know. And I was like, hey, how are you doing that? I want to do that. So I started doing the Zoom show last March. uh, Not this last March, but a week, a year ago, March in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then in May, some guys came from San Diego and did a live outdoor show. Uh, with a transmitter that transmits the signal to your car. So you could be in your car and listen to the show. And that's how Carpool Comedy came to be as a result of that, seeing them do that. And I was like, oh, yes, this is the best thing ever. I'm going to do that. And then in July, uh, after they had been coming up here for a couple of months and we were going every week, all of the L.A. comedians that found out about it, we were going all faithfully to do that because that was basically the only game in town. Right. they they said in July, hey, I, we're going to stop coming because now we're going to start doing shows where we actually charge people. They can sit in their car and watch the show and honk and flash their lights. And I was like, well, what 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 about our open mic? <laughs> they were like, well, if you want to take it over, I was like, hell yeah, I want to take it over. <laughs> so I oh, go down to so San awesome. Diego. I got a transmitter. They're like, do what you want with it. Do shows. Do whatever. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So in last, uh, well, I spent a couple of months looking for venues, trying to find places where I could do the carpool show. I finally found one where they weren't going to charge me a million dollars. I booked a bunch of people to do it. And last September, not this, a year ago, September, I did my first carpool comedy show. And um, I did about six of them up until this last May was my last one. And as the club started opening again and all the venues started, you know, and trust me, everything's exploded here in Los Angeles. Yeah. There's shows everywhere in alleys, in parks, in everywhere you can imagine. There's shows, uh, bars, restaurants, cafes, and everybody's on board. So uh, I stopped doing the carpool comedy as of last May was my last show for oh, my okay. birthday. But I'm still doing shows. I'm doing park shows. I'm doing um, I'm doing a, a restaurant show where it's in a restaurant. I'm doing uh, comedy clubs. I'm doing stuff all over the place. So that's so cool. Wherever I can find to put a show on and get people to come to, that's where I do the show. I love it. So I love mm-hmm. it. And so, what is your fa- so of all the places that you, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, seven years, eight years. Um, and of all the places that you've played in, um, what is your favorite room that you've ever, uh, done standup in? Uh, probably the comedy store is the big one. Sure. Uh, the laugh factory doing that was a big one. And currently I'm doing the J spot in Los Angeles, which is a primary, primarily a black club, but mm-hmm. they're trying to expand the audience. And, um, so I'm a part of that and I'm booking for that. So that's, that's currently my favorite. <laughs> that's cool. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. is comedy is being a, a stand-up comedian. Is that your full-time gig or do you have like a quote unquote real job as well? 
I have a real job as well. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, comedy is great and it's fun and I have made money doing it, but it doesn't pay the bills full time yet. So I hear in that. the meantime, I still have to pay a mortgage and all that, keep the lights on and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. Same here. You got to, you got to. You got to pay into the system, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. You got to do mm-hmm. it. All right. So here's here's a question for you. So you are on a deserted island, okay? And uh, thankfully, on this deserted island, there's plenty of shelter, plenty of water, plenty of food. There's no uh, threats of any kind. But the only problem is that you can only have one book, one album, and one complete catalog of any comedian. What do you pick for your book, album, and comedian? Mm. Well, I'll go with the comedian first. That's the easiest. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's going to have to be Dave Chappelle. Nice. He's my all-time favorite. Uh, uh, for the album, I'm going to pick, uh, ooh, that's a hard one. It's going to have to be the Beatles, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah maybe Sgt. Peppers. That's a good there one. There you go. And then uh, for the book, uh, Stephen King, The Dark Tower Series. Ooh, I like that. Stephen King, yeah. Maine resident. I lived in Maine for 20-something years. Uh, he's one of the the best things that come out of Maine, Stephen King. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, all right, so uh, do you feel that – so you, you kind of pivoted with, you know, when, when carpool, carpool comedy started, it was kind of started out of necessity because – the old or traditional way to put on a show wasn't really an option, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times, you know, things that are forced upon us create new things that we didn't think we were going to be able to do. So when you look back and you think about, you know, people having to do comedy shows on Zoom or people having to do comedy shows like you were doing with a transistor, do you think that there's any uh, net new skills or uh, things that you can learn from having to do comedy in that way as opposed to the traditional audience stage comedy club setting? Uh, I will say, in my opinion, that a lot of the comedians who were with me doing these carpool shows, doing the Zoom shows, doing the live shows out in parks and parking lots during the whole pandemic mm-hmm. uh, are way, way ahead of the traditional comedians who just stayed home and didn't do any comedy during that time. So we were out there week after week, practicing, developing comedy. And as you know, comedy is one of those things that doesn't exist without an audience. That's right. Really like you can make music and then record it and then put it out to the world, but you can't do comedy without an audience. You have to have that feedback from the people laughing at what you're doing. So I think, um, you know, I have a, a fairly uh, group, you know, basic group of people that that they went to all my shows and they did all my shows and and they were on all my shows during the whole pandemic. I was one of the few people that was out there just consistently doing shows all week, every week during the pandemic, regardless of what the stay home order was. Right, right. I was doing like two and three Zoom shows. I was doing a couple of park shows. A couple, and then the monthly carpool comedy show, which was more of an event, more you know, where we did an event right and we charged people to come. Sure. Um, so it was, you know, I just did that monthly, and I tried to pick, you know, the very best comedians that I knew to get on that show um, to make it, you know, an experience for that 
uh, customer. Right. But all of those people that I was associated with during the whole pandemic for that whole year and a half, they're way ahead, miles ahead of people who didn't come out, didn't want to risk it, which, you know, that's their prerogative. But I think, um, and the other thing too, is like, uh, I'm still doing a Zoom show. Um, actually two, (laughs) uh, I'm still doing two Zoom shows and, um, it's a different skill set. It is, you have to wait for the last. You really have to pause and let that feedback come to you because if you just keep talking and keep talking, you'll never hear that because Zoom is the way it's programmed or whatever it is about it. You've got to stop and wait for the people to laugh in order for you to get that feedback. So. Yeah, it's a it's a different skill, but it certainly translates. I love that. That is a really cool answer. Um, thank you. Does a here's a, here's another good question for you. Does a stitch in time always save nine? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say probably not. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, my uh, late husband always used to say slower is faster. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I, I like that. I appreciate that. I, that's one of the staple questions I ask people, and it's usually it's a yes. Um, but then when I dive into why people think yes, they don't really have anything. So you've got some justification there, and I, I like that. So let's, let's mm-hmm. stick with that answer. All right. So you mentioned Dave Chappelle earlier, um, mm-hmm. obviously one of the best ever. But let's kind of go back in time a little bit further. And from your perspective, who would you name as the most influential stand-up comedian that might have led to the ability for Dave Chappelle to be Dave Chappelle? Like, who who do you think was the most influential in terms of, like, opening up people's minds of what stand-up com- uh, comedy can be, what it is, where it can go? Uh, who Who's that person for you? Uh, well, for Dave Chappelle, I would say it would be Richard Pryor, but not necessarily for me that that wasn't an influence for me. Um, I would say your Carol Burnett, your, uh, Bob Hope, um, your, uh, definitely, um, like those people, uh, that I grew up watching and just laughing at, you know, that was more of my era. So, Yeah. Um, but for Dave, I would say definitely Richard Pryor was, was the, and, and George Carlin too, yep. definitely. Yep. So, but you know, there's the greats and then there's the current. So, <laughs> right. Um, so let's, let's shift to a, a different artistic, um, you know, outlet and that is music. Um, mm-hmm. what is the best musical concert that you've ever seen? Mm, that is. Uh, I would have to say the Eagles. Nice. I saw them uh, a few years ago, and I had really great seats. I think that has a lot to do with it. Having really great seats really makes the concert better. Yeah, it doesn't hurt, <laughs> <So>, right? <laughs> <laughs> but just, uh, I mean, they, just every song is a hit with them, and their musical abilities are just beyond compare, nice. and uh, it was one of the best ones, yeah. Love it. Yeah, I never got a chance to see them. Uh, I, I almost saw them on the very first, I think it was called Hell Freezes Over Tour. Um, I saw that one. That's the one you saw? <laughs> yeah. I saw that one. That one was the first time I saw them. I saw them actually about three years ago at the forum and I had like, I was right behind where all the computers and all the soundboards and stuff is. So you can't really beat those seats. 
Oh, that's awesome. You, uh-huh. So you, you talked about, um, you know, Carol Burnett and the other shows that you watched when you were growing up that made you laugh. Can you remember the first movie? And by the way, I used to love that show with Tim Conway and Harvey Korman. Uh-huh. And I, I used to just love how into it they were. That was one of my favorite shows. Um, but do you remember the first time that you saw a movie and when you were younger and it made you kind of realize, oh, that's funny. And I know why that's funny because of this. Like what movie was the first one that you kind of saw like, oh, that's humor and I get it now. Mm, that's a hard question. I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say maybe Time Bandits oh, cool. was really one of the first movies that I saw that I really loved that it was so funny to me. But um, yeah, that's a little known movie. Um, I own it I on know. VHS tape. Right? For sure. <laughs> yes, don't touch that. That's concentrated evil. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes. Mm, uh, well, back that, before. Maybe Monty Python. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, you know, the Holy Grail. Hilarious. Yeah. I mean, those are the things we used to watch when we were teenagers. Um, yeah, I remember a lot of movies from a kid, but I don't remember any like super funny ones. Yeah. So those, those are probably the first ones that I saw that I thought were hilarious. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like we're, we're close to the same age because I, I remember owning a copy of the meaning of life, uh, uh, Holy grail and time bandits. And we watched time bandits so many times that it ended up like with the old VHS tapes, you could actually wear them out. Um, yeah. to the point where it would like start to look fuzzy and then eventually you couldn't even play it anymore. And we wore out time bandits. Uh, we watched yeah. it so many times. I, it, I think that was Terry Gilliam who was part of Monty Python was somehow connected mm-hmm. to time bandits. Yes. So, yeah. Um, they're in the same universe. Yeah. That's cool. Um, okay. So uh, who was, you know, not, not obviously like a Dave Chappelle type, but you know, someone that is a peer of yours that I know you mentioned back in 2012, the, the producer that was like, you know, you should do this. But was there a comedian that kind of took you under their wing and was really supportive and helped you kind of, you know, do it and, and feel good about doing it? Um, is there someone that you can kind of point to in that way? Um, it would be a local comedian that you probably wouldn't know of. It's, you know, just here in Los Angeles, but uh, the Valley Jesus, also known as Ryan Talmo. He's a pretty, you know, well-known producer here in LA. He runs a lot of open mics. Shout out and, to Ryan. Um, yeah, Ryan Talmo. Uh, he basically, I was going to um, his open mics before the Pandy, and that was pretty much my standard. Like, that was always on my agenda to go to his open mics. And he was very supportive. He was always very, you know, helpful. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, his was the last open mic I went to on the day of the shutdown. Oh, wow. I went, even though it was on a Sunday, I didn't usually go on Sunday because I had my own my own things to do on Sunday. Yep. Um, I went that day, and his was the last one I went to before I started doing my Zoom show, and he was on my first Zoom show. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. And a lot of the comedians that I knew, I knew through him from going to his open mic. So that's like kind of how my network of comedians was built between sure. going to shows of other comedians that I knew and then going to his open mics and, you know, getting those comedians on my shows. Yep. I just kind of, 
during the pandemic, really everything just changed and exploded and has been crazy ever since. <laughs> By the way, that's cool. And I, and I, I've never, I, this is a first that I've ever heard. I haven't heard the pandemic referred to as the pandy. Um, so, <laughs> so, so I got to tell you, I like that. And I, and I might use it. I might use it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we call it here in LA. The good old pandy. pandy. Um, yes. All right. So here's another uh, tough question. Do the ends justify the means? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you said yes, because normally I get a, a quick, a quick no. Can you explain why you said yes? Because the outcome is the most important part of it. So yeah. obviously the ends have to justify the means. I love it. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the, I have, I've asked that question on almost every episode and um, sometimes people are like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So I always have to give like an example that everyone can relate to. Right. And it's always the baby Hitler. Baby Hitler is always the example because, you know, no one wants to kill a baby. But if that baby ends up murdering seven million people and threatening society as we know it, maybe it's not a bad idea. Um, and so that that's the it's an extreme version but uh, mm-hmm. but I tend I, but I tend to agree with your uh, analysis, which is if the outcome is what's most important, um, you know, then how you get there maybe doesn't matter as much. Good answer, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so when you're not performing, when you're not working, uh, what do you like to do in your free time? What are some of your hobbies? <laughs> what is a hobby? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I like to sing. I like karaoke. I've actually been in a master corral before singing was great, uh, influence in my life. Oh, uh, cool. I'm also an artist. I, um, spent a few years doing something called button art, making art, uh, on wooden boards with buttons, oh. um, actual physical buttons and, um, beads. I did that for a while. Um, but comedy has just taken over my life the last year sure. and a half. <laughs> Now that's pretty much all I do. Um, I, uh, you know, I go to the movies, I go to the beach, you know, regular, regular people stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. So karaoke. So this is no lie. I am right now in my basement slash studio slash fun room. And I am looking at a karaoke machine and I'm looking at, I've got rules. I've got karaoke rules on my wall. I, I, I think karaoke should be an Olympic event. Uh, uh-huh. I, I think it's great. And, um, so it's good to hear a fellow enthusiast. I think that, and I think karaoke is something that could have been a really good way to do zoom, a zoom activity during the pandemic. Oh, there I, is. Oh, there, there is. Was. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine who's a comedian was doing uh zoom karaoke. Well, he was doing it on Instagram. So okay. he would, you know, get people on Instagram and then do a karaoke show with them. So that it was, you know, one-on-one and he would basically have them play their own music and then sing along to it. <laughs> that yeah. is cool. I got to look for that. Yep. I got to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. What is your, and it doesn't have to be of all time, you know, maybe something that's right now that's, that's something you've recently watched, but what is the TV show that you're into right now? You know what? I haven't watched TV since I started doing comedy. I love it. (laughs) I used to be really big into TV. I watched watched a lot of reality TV. Like I watched every season of Survivor up until two years ago. Uh, Like big time into like The Bachelor and all of those um, 
reality TVs, the Real Housewives of New Jersey, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But like two years ago, when I started doing comedy, like a lot more, I and me and dating. Uh, sure. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I just don't have time. Uh, yeah. I'm never home. I don't have time. So yeah, I'm not watching anything on TV now. <laughs> Good for you. And during the during the pandy, I was working full time yep. in the office. So I would go to work all day. And then as soon as I got off work, go do comedy and then go home, go to sleep, do it all over again. Yeah. So I really haven't had time to watch TV. Well, look, it's so this, weird. It, no, actually, that's great. If there's one thing to cut out, you know, uh, with how you spend your time, it's the reason why I started doing this podcast. I started doing this podcast mm-hmm. because I was so sick of taking in content as opposed to creating something. I just, you know, kind of wanted to flip that paradigm around a little bit. Quick survivor question for you, though, since you've watched so many seasons. Who, in mm-hmm. your opinion, who's the greatest contestant ever on Survivor? Rob. Yeah, Boston, Boston Rob. Rob. Yep. <laughs> he was so fun. Yeah. He was so fun to watch. He was, oh, yeah, he was the best to me. I, I, I loved him. Yeah. No, and not that on the eyes either. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, so we are down to our final two questions. You've been a, a great sport and answered them all extremely well. So uh, second to last question. So Mount Rushmore, right? There's four uh, ex-presidents up there, and that's kind of the way to commemorate, like, these four presidents really helped found our nation you know, the way it is right now. Uh, if you could kind of have a Mount Rushmore of uh, comedians, and they don't have to be stand-up comedians. It could be someone like Carol Burnett. It could be someone like Harvey Corman. It could be Dave Chappelle. But if you had your uh, Mount Rushmore of comedians, okay, who would that be? Mm, well, definitely Carol Burnett. Love it. Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Don Rickles. Oh, nice. And Ooh, Eddie Murphy. Yes, I like that Mount Rushmore. That's way better than the one that we have. That's great. Oh, my God. Eddie Murphy, when uh, Delirious first came out, we uh-huh. used, we, I had it on. I, we, I think I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. I forget. And we, I had the tape. Somehow we got uh-huh. a, co- a copy, even though our parents probably didn't want us to have it. And we yep. had that tape memorized word oh, for yeah. word. And we used to do every <laughs> single skit out in the, in the, yep. uh, in the playground. It was so much fun. Uh, true yep. talent, true talent. We used to listen to that tape all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. He's great. Um, okay. Last question. Uh, where can people that are listening to the no outlet podcast, learn more about Carol Newell and all of her comedy expertise and the next shows you're doing? What, where can people find out about you? I'm on all platforms as the world's best laugh. I'm on Instagram at the world's best laugh. I'm on Facebook at the world's best laugh. I have a, I have a Facebook page called the world's best laugh, a Facebook group called the world's best. Laugh. <laughs> so uh, you can find me on any of those places. You can Venmo me if you want to send me money at the world's best. laugh. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love yep. it. Uh, so pretty much, uh, carpool comedy is, is just kind of like a sideline of the world's best laugh, but the main deal is that the world's best laugh, all my upcoming shows are on there. Uh, I'll be at, if you're in Los Angeles, I'll be at the J spot this Thursday, come out for that. That's going to be a heck of a show. It's going to be a lot of fun, me and Cosmo, uh, uh, and a whole bunch of other funny people are all going to be there. Um, I'm regularly at Pan Pacific Park on Saturday afternoons at three o'clock 
if you want to come do comedy in the park, it's a beautiful park. It's an outdoor amphitheater. It's socially distant. It's perfectly safe. And I have a lot of great comedians that are still not comfortable being inside a building. So I still yeah. do that. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I have open mics. I got Zoom shows. Whatever it is, if you're a comedian, find me, contact me, direct message me. I want you on my shows. I love it. That's great. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. If you could see our live studio audience, they're doing the wave. They're doing backflips. They've got these big, huge flags that they're waving. They're so excited. And I can't thank you enough. I really do appreciate you taking uh, some time and answering a couple stupid questions. And I wish nothing but the best for you. And uh, everyone go check out uh, The World's Greatest Laugh. Uh, no, the world's best. I'm sorry. The, the world's, world's best. best laugh. Excuse me. The world's best, best laugh. Uh, <laughs> and Carol Newell, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Right. Take care. Have a great night. You too. Bye.